C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Ergie. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And we are joined by no guest. It's We're, just us. No guest. Because this is everyone's favorite episode, the Maddie and Shay Friendship Podcast Hour. Yay! It's the favorite of the true fans. Of the true fans. The true people the true that fans. love us so much. Yeah, I know. I love it. It's amazing. So, um... Maddie, how are you today? I am good. You know, I've just yeah. been living the meal kit lifestyle. Mm. Um, you know, I got out of work at 530 today and I basically just kind of left and was like, I'm done. I love it. I was like at the head office, not that we work, and I stole mm-hmm. a bunch of beef jerky that they just have sitting around Get it, girl. samples. I love it. And I was like, this is it. This is the end of my day. <laughs> That's amazing. What about you, That's Shay? Amazing. You got a spiffy haircut? Um, I got a spiffy haircut, spiffy and very expensive uh, haircut in color last week, but it really made my life so much happier. Um, So I was very excited about that. Uh, Today, I have been working and grocery shopping because I'm a very exciting person. Um, I should send you coupons for the aforementioned meal plans that you yes. can get using my discount <laughs> i've been wanting to do that i'll send um, them to you but okay i am very excited about that because i've been wanting to sign up and i'm tired of thinking about what to cook for dinner so exactly. this will be awesome Sends and i will be back box. on that millennial train it's been a while since i was on any meal kit i love it the and then once tea. you get a bajillion instagram followers you can become one of our <laughs> marketing influencers and they just send oh. you boxes for free That'd be great. I have been getting a lot of new Instagram followers at Shay Keats, everyone. It's very That's exciting. Good. I'm glad you finally settled on it. I feel like we had like three Me weeks too. where it was like a different handle every time we shared. I know. I now we've finally I settled. I know. The mystery is solved. Um, so do you want to, do you have a millennial moment, young Madeline? Um, I do. Okay. <laughs> I actually let's just hear thought it. of it. Bring I it was on. not I was gonna tell just like stories from work, which I feel like is all of my millennial moments now that I am living the millennial dream at the WeWork slash meal kit company. Um but I was I'll tell you who it was offline. I should have told you when we were chatting earlier. Um you'll probably guess who it is. But I was hanging out with someone who she's a, a couple years younger than me. This is a fun game. I I hadn't you'll you'll know pretty pretty soon um we were hanging out and I hadn't seen her in a few months and like I was totally flaking on all of our plans that we had made and I was like I need to stick with these plans like she was having a house party and I told her I would go she lives in Brooklyn I was like I have to go to this and so I went and it was super fun but I assumed that she had graduated from college like she's my brother's age so she should have graduated um last may if she had graduated on time so i was like oh my gosh like how i haven't seen you like since graduation how is it like post-grad life and she was like oh well i stopped going to school in january (laughs) and yeah it just stopped um and i was like oh okay 
cool. Like, no judgment, whatever. Like, I don't know what's going on in her life, but she only had one semester left. So I was Mm -hmm. like, that's a little concerning. Yeah. Also, like, her particular financial situation, like, she definitely took out a lot of loans for NYU that Mm. need to be repaid. And Mm -hmm. she was like, well, what she was studying and what she, you know, once you get to a certain point in college, you can't switch your major anymore. Mm -hmm. Like, what she was studying she didn't she was like I don't want to do that professionally anymore and I was like I didn't tell this to her but I was like just graduate no one cares yeah the degree and whatever and you know like the degree that she was getting was fine it wasn't anything crazy and like yeah I was just thinking to myself like oh my god you could have just gone for another semester and graduated with a bachelor's and then just like done literally whatever else you wanted in your life yeah and but I didn't say that because I was like you know I don't know. Maybe she has already been made. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know, maybe she was having like a family crisis or like a mental health crisis or something like who Mm -hmm. knows, whatever. Um, But then I was like, what are you doing with your life now? Like, because she had been working at a restaurant like while she was in school. I was like, oh, are you still Mm -hmm. working at the restaurant? Um, And she had other like various part time things. And she was like, (laughs) I mean, I think she said it like kind of I don't think if a random stranger had walked up to her on the street, she would have responded in the same way. But since we're friends, she was like, well, I exclusively have sex with men for money now. And I was like, oh, cool. That's what she said when I asked her what she's doing now. She was like, I exclusively have sex with men for money. But she was like, I'm not going to do it long term. And then she was like, I want to apply for jobs in PR and marketing. And I was like, okay, so you think graduating, not graduating, you're going to get, you're just going to apply for jobs in quote-unquote PR and marketing. Yeah. It was just very See, confusing. And sometimes I'm just like, when, who, what, why are people, oh, I just have so many questions. Like, first of all, who thinks that's a good idea and who is not giving you better advice? Mm-hmm. And if you are refusing to listen to better advice, that's very concerning to me. Yeah, um, I don't know. And then second of all, is she just like, is she like, hooking in Times Square? No, she's, like, on the Sugar Baby websites, and she's trying to find, like, a permanent... I don't think she... I don't know how long she's been doing this, but I think she's trying to find, like, a more permanent sugar daddy who will just, like, pay her a retainer, for lack of a better phrase. But right now she's, like, interviewing the sugar daddies, slash they're interviewing her. I don't know, but, like, she obviously gets paid to spend time with them, so, like, she's basically doing that and then i think if she finds like a permanent sugar daddy she can like charge a little bit less just to like see them every once in a while and then try to get like a real person job but as of now like she doesn't have a part-time job at least to my knowledge from what she told me and like she lives in brooklyn in a pretty nice apartment like doing her thing and i was like this is this is concerning I don't know if I am more shocked that she is having sex with old men for lots of money or... Oh, yeah. She's making she, gobs of money. Like, yeah, so much or, money. Or that she thinks she can get a job in PR or marketing without a bachelor's degree. Well, I was well, talking to so former bizarre. guest of the pod, Leah, about this because she um, got a degree in communications, which everyone thinks is like a fluffy do-nothing degree, and it's not. And she was like everyone like you can't just waltz into those jobs with like a any degree and b no degree like you have Mm -hmm. to have some sort of either experience on your own or some sort of degree that has something to do with it like you know like i'm really good at instagram is not gonna get you she's not she's not even like like she doesn't i don't know like there's things that you could do on your own like 
I'm not saying everyone has to go to college, otherwise you're worthless, but, like, she just, like, I think she just assumes that that's, like, the job that's most professional, but with the least amount of credentials required, and I'm like, I don't think that's the case. Yeah. And, like, the other people at the party, like, also knew about this, and they were equally, like, whatever, (laughs) like, it's fine. But I also, I don't know, I feel like she might be on the struggle bus, so I told, like, our other friend about this, I was like, listen, you need to, uh intervene because I'm not close enough friends with her to be like mm-hmm. this is bad I mean I told her I was like just be careful like I don't know what you say to that like yeah whatever but yeah she's a sweet I mean, kid I just am like concerned about her best bet is that she just finds the richest sugar daddy and he yeah. marries her I guess but like I feel bad for him no well I think she had been on the sugar baby website previously and I don't know all the details I don't want to talk out of turn but like I think she had met someone who she ended up dating for real <laughs> like they stopped oh, paying no. her um yeah. which I was like why would you not just keep the facade up and just keep spending time with them so they pay you like I don't understand mm-hmm. but I don't understand the sugar baby thing in general not that I judge it like I do think yeah like Corey and I were at a comedy show the other weekend and there was a comedian her name is Wendy Starling if you wanted Mm -hmm. to google her and she has a podcast called the oldest profession um and she's been on a lot of podcasts and she talks about it in her stand-up but she moved to new york in her 30s and she was like trying to pursue comedy and like working all these menial jobs and she went on the sugar baby websites as like a joke at the beginning Mm -hmm. and she ended up like going on a couple dates and she basically i think she's like 34 or 35 now and she lives in like a beautiful apartment on the upper east side and she like has these billionaires like oh my god she doesn't say who they are but she's like they're people you would know and they pay for her apartment and she usually has like one boyfriend at a time Mm -hmm. who does this and they pay her just like gobs of money like they pay for her ubers they pay for her gym membership and they just think it's fun to have like a young girl around and like she does have sex with them but it's not like i think she genuinely enjoys spending time with these guys because they're very interesting they're like businessmen mm-hmm. and she can learn a lot from them and i think yeah. that's part of the sugar baby thing too is like the mentorship aspect mm-hmm. um but she's like it's been great for me but i think the difference is she started doing it in her 30s like she was already a full yeah. adult when she decided to i would do think that. someone in their 30s would be too old to be a sugar baby yeah well she looks very good but i think a lot of these guys that are like you know not to disparage my friend but like she's 21 like if you're a sophisticated ceo and you have to Mm -hmm. like take someone you know you are out at dinner and like people recognize you you don't want to be with like a 20 year old that's very true you know what i mean you want it to look somewhat believable or like have someone that if you do run into like a coworker or something they can like hold a conversation and it not be weird so i think that's part of it yeah or you can be like this is my girlfriend and the coworker will think yeah okay and not like oh pedophile right exactly and i not let my not gonna bring my daughter to work on bring your child to yeah, work day exactly so so i don't know i was just so taken aback because of the like casual way she was talking about it yeah and i was just like totally. ah, it's fine like i hope it works out oh for her God. and i think she likes it but i'm also like like, she didn't talk about any plans to go back to school, which is also very concerning. Like, she talked a lot about, like, getting the jobs in PR and marketing and, like, the sugar babying, but not, like, oh, eventually I'm going to go back to school and, like, do this. So, 
I was like, that's upsetting that what you have What was her loans. original major in? Is, I'm in curious. theater management, which is like mm-hmm. specialized in something, but it's not. It's a good liberal arts You degree. can still do so. Yeah. And like she had a lot of management experience and she actually had a lot of good um, internships and stuff. And I'm like, you could pivot that into like managing other different types of businesses or managing stores or like other type of production things. Like you don't just have to manage theater. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. God, it just that like I was just makes like, me cringe when I hear people who leave college in their last semester. I'm like, so close, so I close. Know. I'm like, so yeah, just, or just like stay and take one class. Like I don't know. Yeah, like I think I there are a lot of people who struggle through finishing their degree, and that's totally like respectful. Like you know, you got to yeah. do it at your own time and way. But just to be like, I don't think I'm gonna finish. Yeah, I don't know. It's just yeah. it definitely shows her maturity level, but. Anywho, that's my millennial yes. moment. Do oh, you have a millennial moment? Um, I mean, yours was so, you know, addressing these great societal <laughs> issues. I feel like I was just going to talk about how um, I'm really excited. This I don't really think this anything has anything to do with being a millennial, but um, I'm really excited because I'm going camping this weekend, and I haven't been camping like in a long time. And that you and David should life... wear your camp adulthood T-shirts while you're camping. Oh. <gasps> And take camping photos for promotional opportunities. I will. But it's just been very exciting because I bought a tent at Costco and we bought a sleeping pad and I have sleeping bags and Benson is going to sleep in the tent with us and we're going to have campfire food and we're going with Chris and Christian, former guests of the pod. And I'm just really excited. But it was very funny because um, today I you know, took part of the afternoon off so I could go and go to the grocery store and like get the last minute things to like cook and bring with us. And by the way, Chris is like a very experienced camper. Like there's a whole system and a spreadsheet and you pre-make this and you do that. And it's like very awesome. And I love it. So I went to get the last things and like my grocery cart looked like I was either Maybe like I would say like an 18-year-old boy or a mildly like health-conscious tweaker because it was like candy, beer, and a bag of apples. And I was like, okay. It was a weird assortment of items. It was – well, it's because like she's already bought some things and we already had some things at home. But I had to get like the some more supplies and I had to bring some fruit and then we had to get all the, you know, beer, et cetera. Are all the children Um, coming too? No, no children. This oh, is an that's adult so only. fun. Yes, I know. I'm very excited. Oh so not that I don't love um, all the children in my life, but it will be very fun to have an adults-only camping trip. Oh so God, I want to go on an adults-only camping trip. That sounds so yeah. fun. I know. It's going to be so fun. And it's going to be at the beach. So we're going to maybe like, I mean, it's Oregon, so it'll be cold. But, you know, we'll be on the beach. So that'll be fun. That's very cool. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that's my millennial moment. Very cool. Um. I have a campfire topic. Bring it. So this is pretty timely because I'm pretty sure I didn't look at the aftermath of this as much, but I know the before story and I think they're trying to do something about it. Um, But it's been very zeitgeisty in the news. And there's an article that I found in the HuffPost, but there's other publications I've read about this in. And it's basically talking about how specifically the interns in Congress don't get Mm -hmm. paid like there's not um a structure within congress like the congressional budget to pay interns i think i heard Mm -hmm. recently this week don't quote me on this part but i think they're trying to do away with that like all these former interns um 
which, you know, shows the power that young people can actually enact change. All these former interns and people that went to very prestigious colleges who got into the congressional internship program and had to turn it down because it was unpaid. Um, And it disproportionately, of course, affects people of lower socioeconomic backgrounds who can't afford to live in D.C., which is a pretty expensive Mm city, um, and work for little to no money. And so I thought that was very interesting. But this article is also talking about, you know, there are some congressional offices because, of course, they're getting donations and they're running campaigns and stuff. Some Congress people do choose to pay their interns either out of their own pocket or through campaign donations. Um, And there's all these groups called Pay Our Interns and these different things that have kind of studied this, like who's paying their interns. And they, the results of the study were, in the U.S. Senate, 51% of Republicans pay their interns, while only 31% of Democrats offer paid yeah. internship. Uh, yeah. The rates in the House of Representatives are even worse, with 8% of Republican representatives and 3% of Democratic representatives playing their interns. Mm-hmm. So definitely, obviously, the Senate has more well, money. Um, yeah. But I just think it's very interesting, the skew between... Republicans and Democrats, especially um, because I think Democrats, you know, pride themselves on being equal and having opportunities available to everyone, but not everyone can take an unpaid internship. So I'm glad that people are addressing this and writing about it and lobbying to change it. Um, And I know you've dealt with a lot of interns, both paid and unpaid in your day. Uh I, for one, have never taken an unpaid internship. I've been paid, thankfully, for every job and internship I've taken um but that's something that I kind of have that stance for myself and my parents kind of instilled in me that if you're doing work you should demand to be paid what Mm -hmm. you're worth no matter what your age or experience um and also quite frankly I couldn't have afforded to stay in New York because my parents paid for my housing during the school year like while I was enrolled but they said you know you have a place to live in Michigan for the summer but if you want to stay in New York, you have to pay for it yourself. So I would not have been able to afford an unpaid internship, unfortunately. Yeah, because I was a really hard landlord. Yes. Maddie, Maddie was that was when she began being the resident youth. Um, was in the summer. Uh, well, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, first of all, it is so ironic to me that in these, you know, government, you know, congressional and senate. Uh, internships that they aren't paid because in most of the United States, unpaid internships are illegal. And I'm just going to say this again because people just seem to ignore this law. Unpaid internships are illegal. If you are hiring an intern, the first thing you have to do is check what your local and state laws are because most likely it's illegal and you either have to provide them with a living stipend or pay them at least a minimum wage. So I, I mean, right. that's advice and I a give lot of all of my clients. Get yeah, sued for this. I think they talked about it. If it was either in this article or another one that I read that the living stipend thing can get really hairy because they'll yeah. be like, oh, $1,000 a month, that's a living stipend. But it's like, yeah. okay, that might pay for your rent in D.C. Like you could get a room for $1,000, but that does not pay for your food or your transportation mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. outside of that. So they can yeah. do these very – employers can do these very shady things that are technically legal but like are not right. Yeah, and I, and I think – the, the problem, the other problem too is, and I don't know anything about what a congressional internship looks like, but when you are hiring an intern, most employers don't 
really think about what an intern does and that an intern is there to learn. They are not there to do the work of an entry level employee. Um, so I think that uh, depends on the place. I, I personally think it's inappropriate if then don't call them an intern call them a summer associate or call yeah. them well, I something guess like that's, that yeah I guess that's true because at the places that I interned they did do that like my first internship they called us summer associates and then when I was at Goldman mm-hmm. um they called us summer analysts so I guess yeah. maybe that's how they get away with it but yeah. Yeah. yeah I think it definitely depends on the um the industry and stuff. I think there's definitely some that are more predatory than others, but Mm -hmm. I think part of what makes an internship so valuable is it is kind of an extended interview and you Mm -hmm. have the opportunity to prove that you can do the entry level work, which means you have to be given enough leeway to do the entry level work. So it kind of gets into this gray area of like, if they're just there to learn and observe, which I think a lot of internships are like that, like you just kind Mm -hmm. of shadow people and there were internships like that at my old firm. Um, I think that's very different from being like we're including you as part of the team and we're giving you tasks to evaluate you and making you a valued member of the team and then not paying you at all. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I also just think that a lot of managers are not taught properly how to manage interns. And I think it's something that a lot of companies uh, can benefit from. Um, I do want to circle back to what you were saying, though, about the Democrats paying their interns less than the Republicans. And I feel like this is not well, I wanna, surprising to me. You no, know? well, it, I shouldn't say they were paying them less. They were just out of the total number of interns. Rate. Yeah. No, no, no. It was out of the total number of interns in the Senate, 50% of those interns that were working for Republicans were paid. Yes. And then 30%. So it's not that the rates are different. It's that the number of yeah, people no, no, that no. are getting paid are different. Yeah, that's what I meant. I just yeah. didn't... Um, say it properly because but I think that makes sense because you have I think in general and I'm going to say this and I have no nothing to back it up but you have bigger people funding these Republican congressional seats like you have more money flowing in so therefore more money is going to flow out and I think when you have I mean, that may be true, but I feel like yeah. if you're, you know, a Nancy Pelosi, that. Yeah. that would be interesting. I mean, I think at a certain point they're all taking corporate interests, but I think someone, I think there's definitely a difference between like a Bernie Sanders who has taken a stance on like not taking corporate funds and mm-hmm. someone like, you know, a Dianne Feinstein in California who has to run a huge statewide race every time she's up for reelection in a really yeah, large state. Exactly. Like, she has enough money to pay her interns minimum wage. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like it, at yeah. a certain point, it's fine. No, and I they agree. and that's they have oh, the sorry. option too, which this is why I'm like it's so crazy because Congress writes their own budget. So if they they could easily easily slip a line item in there that's like we're just going to take a hundred thousand dollars out of the trillion dollar budget to pay the interns, mm-hmm. like yeah. It's just no one's ever brought it up and everyone's like, oh, these internships are so prestigious. Meanwhile, the Supreme Court pays all of their interns like there are other large. The White House pays their interns like there are other huge branches of government that have gotten on board. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think the main issue is like it's the access issue. It's the fact that, you know, everyone's concerned about making sure that programs are funded and people have access to them. But yet when you're Mm -hmm. trying to give people these experiences, it's only open to like wealthy people whose parents are able to like afford. 
yeah, to live there. I, t- so. I totally agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was very interesting. And I think, again, this not being properly compensated and feeling, you know, post-recession, anyone getting an internship or an entry-level job, it has to be you get what you get and you don't get upset. It's not a good way of looking at the world and we have to empower our young people to not be greedy and to not not be humble but to be able to stand up for themselves and say like hey I'm not going to request an extensively high salary but you know these are the this is what a living wage is and this is what I deserve to get especially if I'm doing um, actual work for the company yeah exactly like so I don't know I just think it's ridiculous and I think to me, it's just a good example of, like, people feel like they have no power, like, if they have an internship or an entry-level job, that they can't do anything mm-hmm. to change their situation. But, like, this thing got pressed because a group of interns were like, this is bullshit. Like, we were able to do it, but we had friends that weren't able to, and they knew that it was wrong and, like, started squawking about it. And, mm-hmm. like, it only it didn't take, like, a thousand of them. It took, like, a handful. So... You know, everyone that's like, well, I'm not going to be able to change, you know, X industry, any industry, like you name it, you know, like you can by taking your talent elsewhere or, Mm -hmm. you know, writing the places like HuffPost eat this shit up. Like they will write about you. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh, my God. Totally. Totally. Take advantage of that. So anyways. Be loud, everyone. Indeed. Yes. Do you have a hot topic for us? I do. It's it's one that we've definitely touched on before, but um, I always like to revisit it. Um, and I'm reading an article in Scientific American called More Recycling Won't Solve Plastic Pollution. Um, and then the subtitle is It's a Lie That Wasteful Consumers Cause the Problem and That Changing Our Individual Habits Can Fix It. Um, and at first I did really, I was really drawn to this article because the first uh, sentence is the only thing worse than being lied to is not knowing you're being lied to. (laughs) Um, But, you know, and he was pretty like tough in this article. Like for example, then he says recycling plastic is to saving the earth, but hammering a nail is to halting a falling skyscraper. So basically he goes on to say, um, you think you're doing this good thing because like you are a person that lives in the United States and has access to um, recycling and it's very easy and you pay for it or some cities you don't pay for it and they just come pick it up and it's gone and you can feel good about drinking your 47 Diet Cokes a week. Um, But the real problem is that single, any of that single use plastic doesn't, can't, it's very difficult to recycle it into like another pop bottle, for example. Um, it generally gets recycled into like insulation or other things that we just don't really need as much of. Um, so I thought that that it was really interesting just on that level. It's something that I find really important and that we should talk about. Um, but then what I really liked is it also talked about how First of all, the the use of single um, the growth of single use plastic happened in the United States, um, and how like consumers were encouraged to buy these single use plastic items, you know, pop bottles, etc. Um, I don't know why I'm saying pop. Apparently, I'm like turned into a Michigander. Back. 
Well, I was going to say, I was like, am I suddenly back in Pittsburgh? What's happening? <laughs> um, you know, all of that kind of like the history of that, um, et cetera, and how people keep uh, voting down bottle bills that, um, you know, require like the bottle deposit. And then you can like get your money back if you turn them in, even though that's yeah. cut down the use of single. Michigan has one of the items. best laws about yeah. that. It's 10 cents, which is yeah, oh, most awesome. places are only five cents if they only yeah. if they even have it. So and then I cool. thought it was really great. Um, the UK I mean, this is just crazy to me. Um, it says they launched a charge on all single-use grocery bags um, and a nationwide bottle deposit. And within six months of the plastic bag charge being in place, usage dropped over 80%. So I thought that was really awesome. And yet people fight this so hard in the U.S. Um, but at the end of the day, what he's talking about is like, you know what? You can recycle all you want. You can get your reusable straw, et cetera. But there is like a giant systematic problem and we – your individual choices are not going to help save the environment and plastics are a major problem. So um, that being said, I know I have been trying to do a lot. We talked about this back in one of our early episodes when we interviewed Amy, our lady scientist. And um, I just want to reiterate again, especially it's summer. I know in the summer I have more soda cans and uh running around and I'm, you know, forget to grab a water bottle. So I buy one, um, et cetera, et cetera. So just think about, you know, instead of recycling or instead of buying things that maybe you can reuse, but they come in a lot of packaging, um, think about how you can reduce your overall plastic consumption. So don't be lazy about your plastic bags. Don't be lazy about, all of that stuff, and more importantly, talk about it. And that is what he really advocates for because he's like, you just doing this in silence in your house is not going to help anybody. But if you talk about plastic regulation and reduce your consumption, then maybe we can affect actual change. So I just wanted to put that out there. I love that. I think that's very relevant. Yeah. I was reading a lot about that um, this week because Starbucks announced that I think by 2020 or something – some year in the future, they're going to go strawless. Um, and a I lot of that it. work, there's an organization, they have a really cool Instagram, it's called Lonely Whale. Uh -huh. um, and the hot guy from Entourage started it. So I really like it. Um, but it's a really cool program anyways. Um, and yeah. they're really big on saving the oceans and different species. But a lot of it, obviously, um, a lot of animals are harmed by the plastic in the ocean not only mm -hmm. humans, so they kind of have gotten wrapped up in that. Um, but he was part of the group that lobbied Starbucks to do the straw ban. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm definitely way more in favor of that than wholesale regulating of items that I don't think the government should tell people what they can and cannot buy. That's just mm -hmm. me. But I do think that um, consumers should feel empowered to lobby private companies and especially use their dollar and not to purchase specific items or to uh, go to establishments that have rules like what Starbucks is going to do. Um, you know, and Starbucks already has things where if you bring a reusable cup, you get a discount on your coffee, things like that. So there's different things that you can do. Um, but I will say being in Europe, what you were saying with the um, the plastics ban, like I was in Paris yeah. and they have a, a similar thing. And it definitely is a lifestyle thing. Like I was there 
and obviously I was traveling, so I didn't have like reusable bags and stuff. So I ended up having to like pay more for the plastic bags mm-hmm. and stuff, which was annoying. Um, but like Jenny, who lives there, like she just has like she's just made it a routine. Like she always has like her water bottle, her reusable bag, like all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Like she ends up carrying a lot more stuff. So like you do give up the convenience factor, but it's not something that she thinks about so much anymore. So I think once yeah. you make it a habit, um, yeah. But definitely cutting down on the consumption on the front end as opposed to just recycling anything is the way to go. And, mm-hmm. you know, people are very focused on lobbying the government. And like you said, there's so much pushback for a variety of reasons when I think, at least in this country, for whatever reason, be it cultural or sociopolitical, whatever, like mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot more action with these huge like mega corporations and they are very mm-hmm. responsive yeah. to consumers. So that's kind of where you can put your action if you are wanting to do something a little bit bigger so but I'm all about it I've been trying to be more conscientious of it um like being at the WeWork like Mm -hmm. they have reusable cups and stuff and like they have next to the water thing like they had plastic cups there Mm -hmm. and I was using them like I could have gotten a mug but like I don't know for whatever reason I just have a weird thing I don't like drinking cold things out of mugs it's just me it's fine the ceramic gets very cold yeah but I got um it's this company called Bita, B-Y-T-A, and they make these mm-hmm. really cute, like, reusable cups. And um, the guy who started it, Jedediah Jenkins, he also has a very cool Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. But you can put hot stuff in it, but it's, like, a cold. It's, like, a metal cup. And I really like it. It's very stylish. I get lots of mm-hmm. compliments, and I just have it at work so I don't have to use the plastic cups. Ooh. So, like, Ooh. you know, you can be trendy, trendy millennial on the Instagram. I um, love it. But, yeah, plastic is not good when you think about how much of it you use no on, like stupid stuff that's a good point that you made too maddie about like how you know i can't remember the number of times i've gone to the grocery or i've gone wherever and i have the reusable bags in the car and i will park because i always i don't like parking so i park far away and i'll walk not even all the way to the store but i'll be halfway there and i'll realize i forgot my bags and instead of turning around and getting the bags i'll just walk in the store and get the plastic bags and I'm like I, this makes no sense to me like it and I think that's just a really interesting like psychological yeah. uh phenomenon I think that people are very people susceptible to both things that hit their wallet immediately and mm-hmm. societal peer pressure because I definitely felt that in France like if you go into a store and every time you get charged 15 cents for every bag and they have to like mm-hmm. bring them up separately like not only is that inconvenient, but it's actually costing you real money as opposed mm-hmm. to like the bottle deposit, which is very, it's a very good thing, but it's, it's not something you feel when you buy the item. It almost feels like yeah. a reward when you take it back, which like, you yeah. know, people are incentivized by different things, but I definitely felt that. And I also felt like the store person was judging me and also yeah. the other people in the store were judging me. So like, not in like a bad, like I didn't feel like attacked Europeans or anything, but are super judgy. Like I know. And especially the French, awesome. like, don't get me started, yeah. but um, oui, like, oui very rude um but I definitely felt like it's just because it's such a cultural norm there it's like if you come in like I don't know I can't think of anything off the top of my head of like a weird thing that you could do in a store but it was like that they were just like oh like you don't have a reusable bag okay Mm -hmm. like it just kind of took them out of their routine um Mm -hmm. so I think hitting people instead of like a top-down approach of like you can't do this because we said you can't it's more of like we're all gonna do this thing and if you're not participating Mm -hmm. you are a sucky member of the community and no one's going to want to be friends with you i think people respond really well to that type of pressure so well 
as in the words of Zac Efron in High School Musical, we're all in this together. That's a very millennial reference. I know. I just thought of it. Now I feel really smart. <laughs> I love it. So, yeah. So well, that was my hot, or that was my campfire topic. I love it. Is there anything yeah. else um, you want to discuss? Well. We hit all the touch points. I know. We did hit all the touch points. Let's see. Okay. I found, have you ever seen, I think this is kind of a, I have no idea why this wants me to read it in Korean, but <laughs> has any, you, I'm sure everyone's heard about that article in the New York Times. It came out a few years ago in the Modern Love column about like how to fall in love with anyone. And it's about like you ask them these 36 questions. Oh, I have but, not, I'm not familiar with this. Oh, it's very cool. I will send it to you. Very cool. Um, hopefully this is, I don't know why it's like asking me again if I want to read it in Korean. So this may not be the right link. But, for all of our um, Korean listeners, this is for you. Um, but I thought it could be fun when we have to make our readers fall more in love with us. Oh my god, should we ask we each should... other these questions? Yes, but I don't think we should ask um, all 36. I think we should no. ask one or two today and then, you know, we'll go through. So they come it's in sets. Okay. So I, Hold on. I think we should just start with the first one. Hold on. Are you I ready? have to open it. No, it's like being very slow oh. and my internet does not want to work. Hold on. Oh, I, but I can just read it to you. Oh, okay. That's great. Just do that. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we'll, it, we'll do the first two questions from set one. Okay. Number one, given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? Oh my God. Living or dead or does it not matter? It has to be in the world. Um, so it has to be alive, right? Alive. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyone in the world? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I always find this is like the Proust questionnaire in Vanity Fair, which I love. I got yeah. the coffee table book. It's very, very good. So cute. Um, but I feel like you could go like the sentimental route and be like my grandma, or you could go like off the wall, or you could go like predictable, like mm-hmm. the president. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Because yeah. I feel like the, these questions, it's not so much what the answer is. It's more so like what it says about you. Right. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the point of all of this? I think so. Hmm. I don't know. Okay, well, I, I have an answer. Okay. You think of yours. You have to say something. Yes, or you can... Sorry. Or you can pass. Um, okay. My answer is Queen Elizabeth II, because I think she's had a really interesting life, but I also think she's secretly very jolly and would be a really good uh, dinner companion. I like and that. I would hope that she would bring several of her corgis. God, I love the corgis. See, that was so a very cute. good answer because it shows that you are smart and you like intellectual yeah. conversation, but it also shows that you're fun and like someone that's joyful. That's true. So, thank you, Maddie. Hmm, yeah. What do I want to say about myself? Oh gosh, <laughs> so much pressure. I don't know. I feel this is. Oh, I don't know. Like in the world, there's seven billion choices. God, I'm so bad at this. Um, Clearly, you just want to have dinner with me. Yes, definitely. Shay and Benson. No, mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know. I, this is going to sound really stupid, but it's just like what's coming to mind. But I feel like someone like, who's like, fam- like someone like Kim Kardashian, who like, I feel like she's very misunderstood, but I want to mm-hmm. understand just so I can be like, now I have the inside scoop. Like someone yeah. like that. Or like, like, I wouldn't want to go for like, a head of state 
just because I mm. feel like so like I would want to go for something where it's like you think you know this person but I'm gonna get yeah the inside scoop so maybe yeah, I'll just say like to kind of blanket that statement because there's a lot of people that could fit the bill I'll say Kim Kardashian because I actually yeah. think that she's very smart unpopular she, opinion yeah yeah I don't think she's dumb at all no, so, I've also watched yeah. every season of Keeping Up with the Kardashians, and I know it's produced and it's like fake or whatever. But I'm like, there's no way you could produce a show that's on for dec like it's been on for over a decade, like it's insane, yeah. and make it interesting. And I don't know, it's just like you can't be that rich and not have at least a modicum of intelligence. That's what bothers me when people are like, Trump's an idiot. It's like, okay, he is, but like also, I'm not yeah. trying to defend Trump, but like. If you're if you are literally like someone who can't think or like do anything, there's no way like even if you have a bunch of money, you're going to be like Paris Hilton's sister who just like mm-hmm. blew it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. in order to maintain wealth, you have to have at least a little bit of intellect. I don't know. But I agree. Anyways. I agree. Um, all right. Question number two. Would you like to be famous and in what way? Oh, my God. Hmm. This is a good question. Mm -hmm. I feel very conflicted about this. I feel like, yes, but there's also a podcast that I listen to, and it sounds really stupid. It's a podcast about Justin Bieber, who I don't care at all about, but they they talk, it's called Two Less Lonely Girls, and they talk about, Mm -hmm. a lot about celebrity, like, usually all the stories start with Justin Bieber, but it kind of, like, branches out into, you know, how hard it is to be a celebrity, Mm -hmm. and I feel like I hear that all the time, and it's like, boo-hoo, you're, like, rich and famous, but I do think we're not psychologically capable of dealing with that many people knowing you and you know nothing about them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the caveman part of our brain, like we're used to being in small tribes mm-hmm. that where you know everyone intimately and they know you. Yeah. They're kind of like a small town thing. So if you get into a situation where people know you, but you don't know them or they think they know you, mm-hmm. I think it just becomes very weird where you're so open but then you have to like insulate yourself to protect yourself so i don't know yeah but i feel like there's there's a lot of good things i feel like i would want to i feel like once you get successful enough you're going to be well known no matter what so if you say no i don't want to be famous it's just saying no i don't want to be successful i agree i agree so anyways that's my Um, long-winded answer to that question (laughs) no i i don't disagree with you i would say i have no desire to be famous but because I don't want to be known for the sake of being known, but I think it's good. It would be like, again, kind of exactly what you were saying. It's like, if you are successful, especially in this day and age with the social media, you can't just be a genius in your house doing your job and in obscurity, you know, people are going to know you. And if that can translate to work, then I'm like, yeah, I'll take a little bit of fame. But like, would I want to be like a famous actress or a famous like whatever? Like, no. No, it sounds awful. That sounds awful. awful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God, Uh, should we do one more? These are fun. uh, Let's do one more. Okay, Okay, this is a good one. Before making a telephone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say? Why? Hmm, that's a good question. I feel like it depends. I don't think I like talk to myself and I'm like, hello, this is what I'm going to say. But it's, it definitely depends. Like, if I'm having a phone interview, I'm definitely not just going to, like, answer the phone cold without having thought about anything. Like, that's dumb. But yeah. I, I do, I think, I know what this question is getting at. Like, if you're kind of an anxious, like, socially anxious person, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm that. Like, I do know people who are, like, they really have to psych themselves up 
to make a phone call mm-hmm. and they really have to like rehearse it in their head and be very comfortable with what they're going to say otherwise they crumble under the pressure um yeah so I'm not one of those people yeah um yeah I definitely do it's but I think like what you said it's not like every time I make a phone call to anyone or you know I remember when I was at work sometimes my younger coworkers or our interns would just be like terrified at the idea of like calling a client when I just be like hey client yeah give us some money I think that's Um, definitely a millennial trait that we don't like talking on the phone I know like I was talking to Corey about this because he was like making a doctor's appointment and like the doctor oh I hate that he like wasn't doing it for like the longest time you know just out of like procrastination and like whatever and then he realized the doctor's office had an app and he made the appointment like right away I know that's how I do too yeah I definitely feel though when I have something important to say especially on the personal level I always rehearse it um because I I'm good at speaking off the cuff like on this podcast or like when I'm like talking to myself on my own social media or whatever. But I feel like if I have, you know, something serious to say and people are going to be not coming back at me, but yeah, you know, if like the stakes having, are high, you want to yeah. make sure you do it right. I think. Yeah, exactly. So oh, these are thing. fun. We should totally do them for all of our okay solos i know i like this so there's it's 36 total so are we are we good with having done three i think that's a good because that means the next 12 episodes we can do it perfect i love math new segment new segment yay wait what can we call it Mm. let's see i kind of want to call it some more even though we already used that bit but we don't really do some more episodes anymore so maybe we should just call it like I'm trying to think of like the camp theme at the summer camp I went to when I was a kid. I went to like an it was like a camp in the woods, but it was an art camp and people were always like making out. They called them like the practice huts. Ooh. so we could call it the practice hut. All right. Fine. <laughs> Welcome to the practice hut. Um, Like, I don't know, because I'm trying to think of like the modern love theme, like under the stars or like the practice hut. Let's do the practice hut. The okay. practice hut under the stars. That's great. Amazing. Okay, then it. people I are going to think that we're like lesbian for each other. I mean, if I were going to be lesbian, I'd be lesbian for you, Maddie. That's such a nice compliment. Thank you very I much. Know. You're welcome. All right. Unfortunately, that's not happening. So. <laughs> Shot down. Uh, yet again. <laughs> sorry. Love you, Maddie. <laughs> All right. Campers, you are so, so awesome. Do we have anything else to share with you? Nope, that's it just follow us on social media at camp underscore adulthood um twitter oh, got rid of all I'm of sorry. our bot followers <laughs> yeah no bots we hate bots no. um but we haven't asked for this in a while uh so i'm gonna ask for it now uh please if you haven't already rate review comment on itunes or google play i think you can do it there too especially on itunes though it's so important um for us and you know to get the podcast out there to more people. So, you know, we're still waiting for that sweet, sweet blue apron money. So um, please, please rate and review on iTunes when you listen. Yay. Yay. Thank you guys. Bye campers. Uh, Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield. And this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. 
You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at camp.